While life might be a tale full of sound and fury and told by an idiot, uh, Fangraph's audio is a tale full of the sounds of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Uh, whether it's told by an idiot or not, that's up for some debate. In any case, this is Fangraph's audio. I am Carson Sestouli. On this particular edition of the podcast, I attempt to facilitate some group therapy. My guests are Dane Perry of uh, Knockgraphs and a recent biography of Reggie Jackson. Uh, and additionally, Dan Moore of Viva Albertos. The quality that these two men share, besides a taste for literature, um, is an irrational love of the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, now is not a particularly great time for being a Cardinals fan, uh, with a recent announcement that uh, star pitcher Adam Wainwright will be undergoing Tommy John surgery. Uh, in addition to the news, uh, less recently than that, but still relevant to this particular podcast, that Albert Pujols would not be negotiating a contract before the end of the season. Of course, all of this is to exclude um, the possibility that Nick Punto might be out for a couple months thanks to a sports hernia. This podcast, I do my best to understand the state of mind of the Cardinals fan at this point in time and attempt, most likely in vain, uh, to assuage the fears of our kind guests. It's Dane Perry, and it's Dan Moore on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Fangraphs Audio, I am Carson Stooley, uh, and we have here, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if these guys have ever really met each other, we'll call it a meeting of the minds, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll describe it optimistically um, and generously as far as that's concerned. One of the, one of the minds here, um, with, a, with an entire body attached to it, is uh, from, uh, calling from the city of Chicago, um, from his deck I believe is Dane Perry. That's correct, yes. And you're on your deck, why, Dan? Because uh, my kid is screaming inside. Yeah. And uh, I figured that wouldn't make for, uh, you know, for good audio, you know, so I decided to come out here on the uh, the deck and look at all the, uh, there's a lot of dog crap I need to clean up, so good. I'm looking at that right now. Interesting. Uh, one thought, why didn't you stay inside and just put your kid outside? Well, because he would probably play with the dog crap, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like that. Yeah. Uh, the other guy here is another... Uh, Another Cardinals fan, which I should say is the entire reason that you guys are both here, is so you can rend, rend, rend your garments, or rend each other's garments so things get really hotted up. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> is uh, from, from Viva Albertos. Uh, not a, uh, not a rookie uh, for the show, but this is your, I guess your, your second appearance, Dan Moore. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a good time last time you were here, and so that's why you're allowed back. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Are non-Italians that you've interviewed on the show? Hmm. You know, it's hard to... F- it's actually... I, I, I kind of am looking for my people all the time, but I think there's actually only ever been one Italian on the show, and that's a major problem. Oh, okay, problem. okay. A lot of okay. Poles, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> a lot of Protestants. It's tough. It's tough out there for us. To- but yeah, you guys are here because you're Cardinals fans, and because uh, there's a lot that's occurring, and almost none of it good um, right. in the yeah. world of Cardinals, but... I was uh, I, I turned to you to to be able to both document and to hopefully help um, the greater public understand the grief that you guys are going through. Um, this is it's going to be a very masochistic podcast. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, well, for example, you know the uh, <clears throat> you know uh, so the Trojans probably didn't have a lot of fun during the Trojan War, but. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, but we have a beautiful document of it. So I think that you know you could turn that pain into pleasure. You know, I, what I, mean? I can only help. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the greatest griefs, you know, when they're rendered into art, they can at least provide some measure of comfort. Um, uh, now we'll start. We'll start with one thing, which is that you both wrote uh, for um, you know for your respective outlets. Uh, uh, Dan Moore, you for Viva Albertos. Uh, Dan Perry for for Knockgraphs. Um, different responses to well, different but very similar responses to the Adam Wainwright, which was to describe uh, the the sort of stages of grief that you that you went through when you realized that that Adam Wainwright was going to be having to undergo. Um, surgery, a Tommy John surgery. Uh, we'll start with you, Dan, um, just to, um, you know, not let Dane talk for a couple of minutes. Uh, All right. What's, uh, you, now you decided you settled upon 17 stages. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know, I, I, do you have a degree in psychology, or do you feel like this is just sort of a, sort of an, a, a unique experience, the, the sort of pain associated with Adam Wainwright's injury? Well, I once got a C in a class on psychology, mm-hmm. so that really should qualify, I think. It doesn't. Okay, but um, but what, so how did you settle on 17? Well, really, I just wrote until the tears stopped flowing, and uh, it turned out that that was 17. Um, and I, I, I had successfully made the various strange references I wanted to make. Yeah. I'd successfully mentioned Pedro Feliz and Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So uh, I was I was just done at 17. Right. Now, I believe, and I'll, I'll, for, the, for the, benefit, uh, sorry, the, the benefit of the readership, I'll say that the first five I appear are the actual stages of, of grief are pretty close to them. That's correct. Yeah, so denial, anger, bargaining. Now, you, you get in renegotiating, um, uh, but, <laughs> but that's 3.5 and then depression and acceptance but then yeah you move on to Pedro Feliz as a stage just just how horrible it is you go through your iTunes playlist which is uh, um, almost exclusively dedicated to Beastie Boys Brass Monkey which you listen to consecutive times um, you, uh, you, there, there's a lot of sort of uh, you cover the, the experience of being a writer and how you would you would cover multiple one in fifteen Ram seasons, which you might have to do anyway. That's uh, true. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but now um, I don't know. So, so this is we could say that this is. A, uh, do, do you think other people went through these exact seventeen stages? Um, at Viva Albertos, I try to target a very narrow audience, so I'm willing to bet that they all had this exact same situation. Yeah, and uh, I mean, but so besides this, besides what we see here, maybe we can get uh, kind of, you know, straight from, um, straight from your lips to our ears, uh, exactly how it is affecting you now, say uh, a day or two after the fact. Um, it's, I don't know. It's really frustrating, but I'm no longer really depressed about it, and the depression won't come back until April. Right now, I'm just kind of sad that. The Cardinals lost like four wins off their projections, and they'll have to play that much better to get anything done. But I mean, I kind of like Lance Lynn, and I enjoy watching mediocre pitchers compete in spring training. So there are upsides. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's certainly a pleasure to it. We we can get to some of the actual replacements, uh, you know, candidates for that uh, in a minute. Dane, um, you well, you called it the stages. It, it's more of a prosaic piece. 
Um, but mostly you. Yeah, were, I kind of misled there. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. did right, or misled. You misled your. Uh, yeah, well, that'll work too. The phonetic uh, yeah. translation, but you, your, yours was mostly having to do with, uh, in particular, Johnny Gomes' particular reaction to it, which at first was reported as being one of glee, but then actually turns out uh, was a very reasoned and responsible uh, response. Yeah, which was quite disappointing because I. You know, there's the, I, I don't fully buy into the, like, I didn't get entirely outraged by Brandon Phillips last year, like a lot of Cardinal fans. Uh, but, you know, th- there's that rivalry going, and it cer- certainly would have helped to have someone, you know, just to vent at, like Johnny Gomes, if, you know, Wayne Wright goes down and he says something just, you know, you know, just jerky and unacceptable, and I really could have, you know, ah, you know, Johnny Gomes, you're to blame for this on some level, but it turned out he didn't do that, and, you know, I'm left with nothing but uh, Adam Wainwright grief that, that is not uh, lessened by having a villain. Well, what about, have you considered uh, blaming it on Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker? <laughs> <laughs> that could be possibly. I, you know, I, I haven't thought of that angle, but I guess, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, Wainwright is a union man, I guess, you know. So, yeah, that's uh, right, right. Well, it doesn't, I don't think we're necessarily uh, dealing with reason here, is that correct? Yeah, yeah well, you know, you, you look for... Something I guess to cling to, but yeah, I, I might work with that. Yeah, I might go with that. Yeah. Now, is this something it, you guys? Uh, uh, please just jump in and start talking at the same time, so no one can understand. Um, is this because I guess I have a I have a hard time with this. I, I was a I was a fan of the Red Sox, and then um, they just oh, went and won everything, uh, and then got really good, and uh, it became less fun to be a fan, of course. So uh, yeah. I guess most for me, uh, this may not be the case with listeners, but. I have a hard time, you know, sort of feeling this on a visceral level. But is this where you think it's like, um, is it depressing because it's like, because you, you know that, uh, for example, the Brewers have improved in the offseason? And uh, I'm trying to think, are, are there other, I guess the Cincinnati Reds, uh, well, they, they won the division, so um, yeah. there's every reason to believe that they could be pretty strong. What's the uh, what's the source of, I mean, are you really are you really upset? Like, um, like what is it, how does this compare to, uh, to, Say getting fired or having a relative die or like or or like getting a getting a heating bill slightly higher than you would have expected. Like where does this fall in terms of the range of grief? Dane, I'll start. We'll start with you. Uh, I would say like uh, I I put it somewhere worse than the heating bill thing and probably a little shy of say like a, a cousin you didn't see very often growing up dying. You know, probably something like that. Something you know, like that. Like, oh man, you know, cousin cousin Mike. He, I heard he was a good guy. I haven't seen him since we were eight, you know, but I'll put it somewhere like that. I mean, as long as it wasn't, like, tragic and, you know, he had no children or something, you know, I would right. put it somewhere along that level. Now, what if Pujols got injured for the entire season? That's a whole other level. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yeah. and, and in fact, um, you know, people do say it, and this is actually probably one of the, the, the moves, the journalistic moves that probably frustrates me the most um, that when you see it is when, uh, you know, you have a, ESPN type guy or um, you know sports radio character, um, you know sort of waxing philosophic when uh, you know events quote unquote larger than baseball transpire, and they say oh this helps us remember that baseball is just a sort of uh, you know it's a it's a um, a distraction or you know something that that we do but it's not really that important, um, which is always peculiar to me because these people actually make like their entire livelihoods are based on like. Um, sports, so it seems that you know they would actually be very important. Uh, sports would be very important to these particular people. But I actually think that you know, in some cases, sports can take on you know that sort of um, you know that sort of importance to a person. Uh, Dan, I don't know. What do you think? It, uh, 
where does this fit in the, the spectrum of grief? It's it's a really dull grief. Like if if I had gotten the heating bill back and I learned that I needed to turn the thermostat down five degrees for the next six months, and so I was just going to be slightly more miserable than I was otherwise throughout. <laughs> that's that's how it makes me feel. I mean, every five days I'm going to see somebody worse than Kyle Loesch uh, pitch for the Cardinals. <laughs> at seven at night, and it's going to be a little worse for me than it would be otherwise. So you just, yeah, so you realize like like your quality of life has just been depleted. Yeah, exactly. And you can see it ahead in the distance, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yep, I, I mean I'm out of luck until October. Well, it's no, like, it's like going online until... and checking your heating bill and knowing what's coming, you know. Yeah. You check your account, and like, oh boy, that bill's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all right. So that, that's a handle. Start to get a handle on the on what it could mean to to Cards fans, Dan. Let me may, may I add a little something here? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, this I'll I'll tell you why this means maybe a little more to me than it should, and uh, why in in part to explain why I'm being such a baby about it. But <laughs> Adam Wainwright is the reason my wife tolerates baseball because she thinks he vaguely resembles Ryan Gosling and thus swoons over him. <laughs> and. And I, I, really, I mean, that she first got into it because, you know, we got married and, uh, uh, I started, you know, I, I watched baseball, obviously, get the extra innings package, watched the Cardinal games, and she became just, you know, powerfully attracted to Adam Wainwright, and she got, gradually got sucked in, started asking questions about the game and that sort of thing, and now she will watch with me, you know, 125 Cardinal games a year, and will watch it when I'm not at home, and that sort of thing, I'll walk in, and then the game will be on, which is, you know, wonderful, obviously. And uh, I worry that uh, that all this may fall apart. Now, Adam Wainwright won't be there. You know, at least dugout shots when he's not pitching. You know, I mean, this is uh, this could have implications far beyond the standings for me. Wow. Yeah, that could. Now, now that's actually curious that you mentioned that because uh, for I know my lady friend, um, aka my wife, I'm the same person <laughs> in this case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, she she oh, she got she never watches games, and we have a you know a mostly civil relationship. Um, you know, no more, no more abuse than I think is necessary. And mostly, <laughs> mostly emotional uh, terror type terrorism, and you know, and um, I mean that's fine, right? It's fine, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, not, you know, no more than other people that I've seen, at least. Uh, but um, that's curious. I mean, what, did you anticipate watching uh, baseball night in night out with your uh, with your life partner, Dane? I, I did not anticipate being able to watch it on the good TV, you know. Like, I anticipated having to watch it like on the, the you know, like the 20 inch treadmill TV, you know. So, so it was it was a delight to be able to sit on the sofa and you know, watch baseball games with my wife, uh, thanks to in large part Adam Wainwright. And uh, I am scared that this is going to crumble before my very eyes. Yeah, that's and I'm right. Really watching, you know, I'm going to be in the treadmill room from now on. Oh man, are you going to actually have to use the treadmill? No, nah, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. Let's not go crazy here. I'm not gonna use it. I'll, you know, I'll bring a chair in or something. You know, right? Uh, I mean, for all the people out there with real problems, you know, like job losses and illness and everything, I just want you to know what I'm going through over here. You know? No, I feel it. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. you, man. Yeah. Um, Dan Moore, uh, replacements. You know, um, I, I, you know, we've written about a little bit about this at Fangraphs, but you obviously spend a lot of time with the team. Well, actually, I want to ask you first, like. Besides the fact that you have to, that you're a Cardinals fan, this is obviously this is a team you also have to cover. Does it does it affect your coverage of the team the way you write about them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I only have a certain number of um, 
awkwardly optimistic, we can still do this post send me every year, and I don't want to exhaust them all too early. Yeah, well, all right, maybe you could start uh, sort of communing with, uh, you know, uh, Will McDonald of Royals Review, or uh, uh, I'll, you know, I'll need to learn how they do it. How they make it? How they make it through? Well, they have a process to trust at least. You don't, <laughs> you know, you don't. You, uh, you have a good team. Uh, you said it's just missing its best player. Um, so it'll change a little bit now. In terms of other guys, you mentioned Lance Lynn, who I believe you uh, nicknamed as one of your 17 stages of grief. You nicknamed him Sir Lancenot. Yes. <laughs> that might need some work. I don't know, but. Well, there was also the recursive acronym. Um, I was a little more proud of that. Which was what? Can you? Uh... I think it's Lance. Adam needs cartilage from your elbow. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> That's not bad. I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. The, um, so what? Uh, so who would? I mean, so who? Who do you like for the team uh, filling that number? Five starting role, I guess. I mean, you mentioned Lance Lynn. Is he the best? Are you mentioning that the Pakoda projections had uh, wasn't it Shelby Miller actually who had the highest projection? Yeah, which is just awful because I know it's it's a terrible idea to bring him in. And then Pakoda says, "Hey, don't worry about it. Rick Ankeel was 11 years ago." <laughs> what could go wrong, really? At yeah. That point? And Shelby Miller can't hit. <laughs> yeah, so he's got no other options. <laughs> Uh, so, so what do you think really will happen? Um, I I think Lance Lynn is the most interesting option, both from a fan standpoint and also from a Tony Larusa standpoint. Um, meaning, meaning he'll probably end up doing it. I think Kyle McClellan is too important to the bullpen to not be a part of it, um, especially when there are similar options just kind of sitting there. But okay, because Kyle Kyle McClellan. Is actually a pitcher I like quite a bit. And he, he seems to have actually kind of a nice. Uh, now he hasn't thrown a lot of innings from the starting lineup. Or sorry, starting as a starter. Um, but he does kind of a nice profile, I think, doesn't he? Generally speaking, in terms of uh, strikeouts, walks, ground balls, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And since he doesn't throw very hard, and he throws more than one pitch, you know, people are always going to try to put him into the rotation. Uh, because he doesn't look much like a shutdown closer. But I don't know. Um, he just strikes me as someone that Larusa is not going to be able to give up in the bullpen. Mm, yeah. Um, because, uh, right, because Larusa tends to like kind of well-defined roles, I guess. Uh, now, Lance Lynn has never pitched in the majors. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. Uh, yeah, he's what? He's... Uh, 23 years old, um, turns 24 this year. Last year, uh, didn't have a great season at AAA. Kind of walked some guys. Kind of didn't strike out as many as he would like. What's uh, so? What's the attraction? Well, um, in the last few months of the AAA season, apparently he decided he was done throwing his like 88 mile an hour sinker, which had made him an extremely boring prospect and started throwing a fastball that sat at 93 or 94. Um, apparently, it was just some other option he had. And his last start in the playoffs, he struck out 16 batters. So he's got the nice spring training narrative going in. Okay, well, then that's nice then, uh, if he's able to do that. And, of course, that's not something that the stats would reveal, really. I mean, certainly season stats are 
um, or projections or anything like that, they wouldn't be able to tell us that he's a 16 strikeout pitcher. You know, it, it chooses to be. That's the weird thing is um, once he started throwing the fastball, he just he really looked a lot like Lance Lynn anyway. So I'm not sure he's going to be much more effective. But it'll be more exciting to watch. And, then PJ, and I'm fine with that at this point. And then PJ Walters, who uh, also has kind of a, is a real heavy uh, fastball, I think, and is actually he has struck out people before. Mostly Alfonso Soriano. Okay, well that's a start. Uh, several times. I mean, that's a major, yeah. league, major league batter. Um, <laughs> uh, this is, uh, does he just not? I mean, what's the what's the argument against Walters? He just hasn't really done it at the major league level, or. He he doesn't look like a major league pitcher, which is a really scouty thing to say. But he's got like, he's the kind of guy who strikes out a batter inning in AAA because he's got an 87 mile an hour fastball in this ridiculous cartoon changeup that looks like a screwball. Uh, so he's also a lot of fun to watch, but it hasn't worked for him in the majors in very small samples. Right. Right, it hasn't. This, uh, is why, this is why Dan would not be a good fit at Notgrass because he gives you actual useful information. Yeah, I know. He's definitely. Uh, yeah, this you, wouldn't work, you know. This is this is terrible. Yeah, can you go? Can you write a play about this, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably will eventually. Well, yeah, there's drama uh, sort of he- heating up. What act are we in right now? You think if this is a, a tragedy? Seven. Seven. <laughs> uh, Dane. Dane, you're. I'm just. glad that Blake Hawksworth is not around anymore. Because I just wouldn't want to see him out there flopping around and sweating for three and a half innings, you know, three and a third innings like he did when they were trying to make a start out of him before. It was just, that was just kind of painful to watch. I'm sort of glad that's not an option anymore as much as I like him. But, uh, well, one, uh, thing, just, one thing that Dan Moore suggested. forces him to get creative a little, you know? What's that? One thing that Dan suggested is like, is that there's the Tony La Russa factor, essentially, right? And I guess like as a, as a fan of a baseball team, you're kind of always at the, at the whim of your coach and, you and you have a very, uh, I, guess, I guess you have a very. Uh, the coach of the Cardinals has a strong personality, right? Yeah. And you can kind of tell who he's going to pick. I mean, is that is that a frustrating part of this to know that it kind of, it, there might be a pitcher you like, but it has to pass like the Tony La Russa test. Well, you know, I was very surprised that uh, that Jaime Garcia won a job coming out of spring training last year because it just didn't seem like a La Russa thing to do, you know. So. You know, I, I don't know that I would have a lot of confidence about Lynn getting a job if that hadn't happened last year. But you know, maybe maybe it's something now. I, mean, I certainly hope that's how it goes because at least at least it'll be interesting failure. You know, if it doesn't work, that you know, hey, Lance Lynn, you know, let's see what he can do. You know, I mean, you know, Kevin Millwood, you know, the, some of these options that are being kicked around, like the uh, the Phillies message boards and well, Colby Rasmus for Joe Blanton and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, none of that interests <laughs> me, obviously. You know, so it's, so Lance Lynn is, uh, you know, I think at least interesting, even if it doesn't work. Right, and is is Lynn your kind of number one option? I mean, is he is he the, sort of the most uh, interesting combination of like ready talent and also upside for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would I would I would certainly like to see what he could do, and if you know if he completely tanks and it's a reasonable sample of games you give him, then you know maybe explore what there is on the market if we're still in it, you know, so that sort of thing. So well, you say if you're still I, I in it. I mean, do you have uh, do you have hopes of that at this point? I, it's the NL Central, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a balanced division at the top, but it's not strong. You know, I mean, uh, I think the Reds' offense is going to come back to earth, and the Brewers, you know, really have a bad defense, and you know, the Cubs are, you know, I think the better the Cubs are a little better than they're generally getting credit for this season, but I still don't see them as the best team in the division, and you know, it could happen. I mean, this this could be a division that's won with you know 86 wins or something. So yeah, it's possible. I mean, 
obviously losing the best pitch in the division hurts your chances, but still very possible. Dan, you feel roughly the same way? I mean, you, you, you mentioned four wins. That's probably about right, given what Wainwright's done. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that the Cardinals were not, you know, aren't projected to be four-win favorites even before you know, before Wainwright's injury. So we'd say, given the projections, they're probably not, you know, first-place locks. But obviously, things happen during the season. I mean, what's your, you know, what were their chances of making the playoffs before, and what now do you think? Um, I don't know. I don't think there's any team clearly better than the Cardinals in the NL Central. And going into the season, that's really all I ask for. Um, I, I just want to have hopes until like July or August and then go from there. Uh, I, I like the Brewers and I like the Reds, but I, I don't see them as being any better that their rotations are probably less fragile than ours are now. Um, well, uh, so we'll, we'll leave this behind, but suffice it to say that you guys aren't happy about the Wainwright situation, um, and uh, and you're doing your best to, to cover up those wounds and probably, you know, via alcohol or, uh, you know... Uh, Always helps. Uh, yeah, some, some, <laughs> right, yeah, some, some, something unhealthy, I'm sure. Uh, another thing that's been going on in uh, with the with the club though is the uh, Albert Pujols situation. He had set a um, a deadline, I guess, after which he you know he didn't want to discuss contract negotiations, um, and that deadline passed. Uh, so, Dan Moore, what does that mean? I mean, he's just, do you really think that it's not going to be a, a topic of discussion throughout the season? And uh, you know, what do you I guess what do you think it's going to take eventually to sign Albert Pujols? It's hard to say, given how well they managed to staunch the leaks during the actual negotiations, but taking Albert Pujols at his word and uh, knowing that he wants to avoid distraction, I think an arbitrary deadline was the worst possible way to do that. Um, if, if you're interested in avoiding distraction, uh, you have to do what Mark McGuire did in the beginning of uh, last year's spring training and just come out with exactly what you want or exactly what you plan on doing and then just letting it explode for two or three days. Mark, I, Mark McGuire last year? Uh, yeah, when he, he joined the team as the hitting coach and then he uh, it was going to be this big circus because everyone was wondering whether he took steroids and then he just admitted it at the start of spring training and it was a huge story for a week and then now nobody remembers Mark McGuire's the hitting coach. Yeah, but he didn't admit it in a way that pleased the media. Yeah, that's true. It, it lasted yeah, another yeah. week because people were pissed off that he didn't wear sackcloth. Yes, yes. Where would he wear that? Like, what part of his? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking like I was thinking like a really big sackcloth um, muscle shirt seems appropriate. <laughs> Sleeveless, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so you think that the story will carry on, and you think that the the intention of that maneuver, which was to you know, so that for it not to be in it, uh, you know a conversation once spring training began, uh, you know, he's is essentially not going to backfire necessarily, but it, he hasn't really addressed that in a way that will actually stop the conversation. That's so far as I can tell. I think that's what's going to happen. And where do you put his? odds of being a Cardinal at you know uh, next year this time um, I don't know I, I maybe I'm optimistic but I think I think 70 30 maybe okay 
And and for and do you, do you think that's a ten year, three hundred million dollar contract? I can't see someone else offering that to him in free agency. So there's there's a chance, I guess, that that backfires. Uh, I, I can see the Cardinals going pretty close to that. Um, I'm not sure they'll give the last, you know, the tenth year as a guaranteed thirty million dollar deal. What was the? Sorry, this is and this is totally my fault. But what, what was the contract? Do, do we know what the latest contract offer was? There, there were conflicting reports about it. Um, someone said it was as high as I think 240 million, and then I think Ken Rosenthal said it was out of the top five in terms of average annual value, which seems completely ridiculous to me. And I can't imagine the Cardinals going in with that as their real offer. No, because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Albert Pujols is the best player in baseball. That is that is the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Dane, uh, obviously uh, the Pujols issue is a big one. One interesting thing that came up was uh, Kenny Williams, the GM of the Chicago White Sox, uh, was saying that he wouldn't, he wouldn't really like to give such a big contract to one player because then you don't have the uh, payroll flexibility, especially in the event that that player gets injured, so we'd rather spread it out. Um, you know, obviously, uh, some, you know, some of Kenny Williams' moves are perplexing, uh, and I invite you to consider the the case of Marcotte as the DH last season. <laughs> uh, oh, no, don't forget that uh, that uh, yeah, they had quite a few uh, interesting players running through the uh, DH role last year. Yeah, uh, but right. you know, no, Kenny Williams is a good GM, but yeah, he makes some puzzling decisions at times. Yeah, yeah right. So, but but again, yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, when he's been, as you know, as long as he's been in charge of the team, the team has been decent. And yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, especially relative to their payroll, uh, you know, how do you feel? I, I mean, you like, I assume you like Pujols a lot, is that right? Yes, I, I, I am fond of him. Is yes. that, that's fair to say. And uh, yes, yes, yes. what do you view yeah. about that sort of contract that we, it would take to, you know, to retain his services? Well, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I like Dan. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic about this. I don't know if I go quite seventy thirty, but something in that neighborhood. I mean, I'm really not panicked about this because it's so early in the process. I mean, there's a lot of hyperventilating about this deadline, but, I mean, the Cardinals still have, uh, you know, the entire season, and I don't necessarily believe that there'll be no negotiating going on during the season. It'll just be back-channel type stuff. And then they have, you know, uh, that time period after the end of the World Series, they have ex- exclusive rights. So, I'm really, you know, once he files for free agency and signs with another team, that's when I'll freak out. I mean, let's not forget that, you know, Matt Holiday made it all the way to the market last year, you know, and they still re-signed him. So, you know, I'm not worried yet. I think he's odds-on, likely to return. And if he doesn't, uh, then I will, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll revive that uh, Teddy Roosevelt shooting Bigfoot uh, picture again to try to comfort me. <laughs> um, yeah, I was trying to look at that. That that's an actual photo, is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. I got that out of a history book. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, with, yeah. Uh, obviously, we, we discussed the grief a little bit with Wainwright, but it seems I, I've heard, you know, occasionally instances, uh, maybe you know, maybe witnessed it on Twitter, for example. Reactions people have either to a pool's injury that may, you know, maybe eventually turns out to be less serious, or or just the thought of Pujols leaving, and it seems like it really ignites even even in in smart people it really sets off like um, like panic like sort of skies falling type panic. Is that a correct characterization? Uh, characterization, Dane? Do you do you feel that way when you think of Albert Pujols not being on the team? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's, uh, I mean, it, it goes far beyond. I mean, you see a lot of these posts that are like, you know, 
uh, saying that oh, our polls are just flatly not going to be worth this kind of money. Well, sure, that's that's something, but there's also a lot of value in having Albert Pujols in the same uniform for his entire career and be able to say Albert Pujols is yours and that sort of thing. So, I mean, even beyond the numbers, even if he tanks, you know, five years into the contract, it's still something I want to see happen, even if it's foolish, because I just don't want Albert Pujols to be in another uniform. So, you know, I, I will not take it well if he goes somewhere else, and I think uh, that's probably the case with everyone uh, and, and, and as, who's part of uh, the great Cardinal Nation. So wait, when you, so when you're in your se- so in this hypothetical reality where Pujols is bad after year five, which you know doesn't seem like it's likely, but it could happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're prepared to just take that in a, in stride, and because uh, this is how things had to be. That would be bad too, but I would rather have him uh, uh, in a Cardinal uniform rather than uh, you know. Uh, spending 10 years, you know, as a Cub, God forbid, or, you know, a Yankee or whatever, or you know, Angel, whatever the other rumors are. You know, it's just, uh, he's one of these players that, uh, uh, you know, he's, you know, I, I, you know, I don't need to go into his resume, but, uh, he's just a guy you want on your team. He's a, he's a signature franchise player, uh, icon, all that good stuff, all those words you would use, and, uh, he should not go somewhere else, even if it's stupid to resign him at certain rates. You still, so, you, you feel the same way yeah. too, Dan Moore? I do. I can't be entirely rational about Albert Pujols, and I think people respond really in a way that's very close to the sky falling when he's when he appears to have strained an oblique muscle or something because he's he's just so good and he doesn't seem like a human being like Adam Wainwright does, who might you know require elbow surgery at some point. So you have to you have to change your worldview if Albert Pujols gets hurt or starts to suck. And I'm not prepared to do that. <laughs> um, we will not do that. Yes. You refuse to do that. Uh, moving on to uh, more important players, Nick Punto, uh, <laughs> the, the the scrapaholic that. Well, but beyond a scrapaholic, actually, turns out, um, and uh, you know, I'm to blame for this. Turns out. As long as you don't pay him too much, Nick Punto is actually a really valuable player because he's a fantastic fielder um, and can play basically any position. It is not like a ridiculously bad, uh, you know, bad with the bat. Like so, he actually turns out to be pretty valuable. But what he's got a sports hernia, which is the sexiest type of hernia, I think. Is that <laughs> is that right? That's, that's uh, a man's hernia. Yeah. That's yeah. a man's hernia. So what's uh, so, I don't know, Dane? Or is that does that is that on your radar at all, or are you just like, yep, that just happened? Uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, Nick Punto is not a useless player. I mean, he's uh, honestly, I'd rather have him as a starting shortstop than Ryan Terrio. Uh, but you know, it's not something that uh, this is uh, obviously, you know, orders of magnitude less significant than the Wainwright injury. And uh, he's, uh, you know, like his glove, can't hit. Uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, the dear departed Brendan Ryan uh, in certain ways. So, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I have trouble mustering anything besides whatever with, with regard to Punto after Pools and Wainwright, you know. Whatever. Are you in whatever status too, Dan? Yeah. Uh, now that Aaron Miles is securely on another team and can't be That's called back thing. to the yeah. Cardinals yeah. to replace him, uh, I'm yeah. pretty fine with it. I like Tyler Green, who will probably get a spot on the roster. So. Is that another yeah, Larissa type thing? Larissa loved Miles. Is that right? Oh my oh, God. God, yes. Yeah. So what do you do as a? I just don't understand again because I don't have this attachment. But like, what do you do? How do you deal with it when you're when a coach just loves a player who's conspicuously bad? Yeah, 
I mean, how do you deal I, with it? I don't know how we've dealt with it, but yeah, uh, some something got us through it. Um, I guess just the presence of other less scrappy players also on the roster. Speaking, I mean, well, one of those is Colby Rasmus. Uh, has that situation been resolved between him and Larusa? For now, you know, I'd say it's more detente than you know than resolved. But I'm sure something's going to happen. I mean, between Larusa and Rasmus's dad, I mean, something will happen. <laughs> You know, I, I, I've made this point before, but I think Colby Rasmus is more important to the future of the organization than Tony LaRusso is. And if it comes to a, you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, I would like to see LaRusso fired and, and, uh, escorted off the premises by police officers, you know. I, I just think that, uh, <laughs> Rasmus is more important. I understand LaRusso's resume and his success, uh, in picking very good teams to manage, but I don't, you know, I don't want to see this end in a Rasmus trade. That's, that's my big fear heading into this year, uh, beyond all the other fears that we Could pick up Joe Blanton, I understand. Yeah, that, you know, I, hey, I make that deal right now. Better guy like Blaine, you got to do that. <laughs> he knows how to win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's got a ring. I think was he on that team? Yeah, I think he's got a ring. Yeah, well, actually, I have a ring too. It's a, it's a wedding ring. Okay, hook you guys. I got one of those too. That's not as cool as a championship ring, though. Uh, I'm gonna let you guys go in a second, but um, actual baseball news, totally not related to the Cardinals, but related to popular culture, uh, which both of you. Uh, are fairly well acquainted with just listening to this afternoon to the um, first spring training game of the season um, ah. between you know, major league clubs and John Miller, uh, radio voice of the San Francisco Giants was regaling um, the listening audience with um, dis- a discovery dis- his discoveries about the band Journey I don't know if you guys <laughs> had a chance he had literally just discovered the band Journey he thought he thought the song when the lights come down come down over the city. Um, it, it, by all appearances, he appeared to think that this was just like a house band that had written a song for fireworks night at San Francisco Giants. Um, Did he say something about this is what the kids are listening to these days or he, something? Or? He he. So he had very clearly uh, printed out like their Wikipedia page, and he was doing uh, "Did You Know." Kind of thing associated with Journey, and even I think his uh, his his broadcast partner is his name is uh, uh, slipping my mind at the moment, but he was saying like, are you aware that Journey had a number of hits in the early 1980s? <laughs> and his broadcast partner is essentially saying, um, yes, because I was alive and I don't know. So 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 essentially what we have here, right, is a situation where John Miller. Has other virtues clearly. Is a has a beautiful voice. It's like a, like candy. But but um, if it's not the ragtime, then John Miller hasn't heard of it. You know? <laughs> but no. But John Miller is at a point now where he's 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 re-entering American popular culture, especially since probably because he's been relieved of his ESPN duties. His his load is a little lighter. Uh, he has 30 years of of American pop culture uh, upon which to catch up. Any suggestions? You know, so essentially, it's flight of the navigator, right? He's missed thirty years, and well, for example, he hasn't seen flight of the navigator. So, <laughs> what are what are the big hits, uh, music, film, you know, that you would uh, suggest to John Miller now that he's able to re-enter society? Uh, Dane, I mean, what what are what are some years? Uh, go on eBay and get a Commodore VIC twenty computer machine. And uh, it's the whole world. I mean, you can just, for, you can fourth do all and inches, of fourth and inches. Um, 
I had an Apple IIc. I played Lemonade Stand a whole bunch. Yeah, lem- yeah, Lemonade Stand. You play Pitfall if you want to get more advanced. I mean, there's you know all kinds of stuff. Get into television. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, the Commodores had a number of hits uh, years years ago. The, you know, the band. Kind of, uh, yeah, the band. Yeah, it had a number of hits. And that was before 1980, I think. What's that? That was before 1980. Oh, we're talking post 1980. Yeah, it has to be post 1980. This oh, is, that's I where see. he's caught okay. up to now. He's he knows who Steve. Oh, okay. Perry yeah, that was back when he was probably on the single scene. He's probably yeah, he's probably familiar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Dan, what do you think? Popular culture in the last 30 years? You just want a just a light suggestion? Well, I'm I'm really surprised. Well, not not all that surprised actually to learn that uh, John Miller spent the entire 80s memorizing a list of Hispanic surnames that he could deliver <laughs> in a really exciting style. But um, I I just want to tell him that um, Michael Jackson, the small one in the Jackson Five, grew up into a very exciting pop star. <laughs> Should check out Thriller and Bad to say the least. And the videos for same. Oh gosh. And, yes. and then he died. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That all happened. Turns out thirty years is a long time. Yeah, if if, if he goes on to Michael Jackson's Wikipedia page, he's gonna have a lot to talk about. Right. Well, actually, yeah, that's actually now leading me to believe that he didn't go on to it himself. He must have, because he may not know that internet computers exist. <laughs> um, Can you go on the computer and go to the Wikipedia and get information about the journey? That was actually Journey's Encyclopedia Britannica entry. Yeah. <laughs> Pulled down the world book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at a uh, probably like a like a library uh, clearance sale or whatever they have, you know, once every five years. Uh, well, this has been a great podcast that I probably won't post because I wouldn't. No, uh, I wouldn't. The quality yeah. is definitely. I mean, it's already done, so. What's yeah. the point? <laughs> no, I had to do all the post post production yeah. stuff. That takes hours. Yeah, um, especially applying the uh, the auto tune to both of your voices. Are you going to go with some Journey instead of Her Albert this time? Maybe it's the intro music. Actually, that's a great idea. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. I, people won't stop believing how good this podcast yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Wow, writes itself. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, well, good though. So this has been uh, the uh, grief uh, podcast full of grief. Um, yeah. with, with grieving, grief, I like it, yeah. yeah, with um, grieving uh, Cardinals fans, um, uh, Dane Perry joining us from his deck. Dane, thanks. My pleasure, as always. Yeah, that's great. And uh, from, uh, well, I don't know, undisclosed location. We never really got there, but you, no need to disclose it now, Dan. Uh, Dan Moore. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Uh, you're not going to say where you are, Dan? Uh, somewhere in Fort Collins. Oh, okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, wow. That's that's actually very mysterious. Uh, well, we'll do a podcast uh, tomorrow, and we'll get more information about that. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, uh, I have been and will continue to be Carson Stooley, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.